how we doing out there tonight? Welcome to BGTV. We're excited that you've chosen to join with us tonight. We meet every Sunday night at 7 p.m. And I'm excited tonight to have some friends of mine that we've recently met. These guys are amazing. We got Jesse and Jordan. And I can't wait to hear what God's going to speak through them tonight. So welcome, guys. I'm glad you guys are here with me tonight. And uh, tonight we're going to be talking about how to know the call of God on your life. Because these guys right here are giving their all. They are giving, I mean, they're uprooting their families, taking their kids. I mean, Jordan's got four kids, is that right? Yeah. And Jesse's got three, and they're all young. And they, it's just amazing to watch what somebody will do when they are just in love with Jesus and answering the call of God on their life. And so we're going to be talking about the call of God on your life tonight, how you can discover the call of God on your life tonight. So stay tuned to the very end, and you'll find out some secrets about how to discover the call of God on your life. I want to start out tonight, first of all, speaking, um, because the call of God on your life is something that I believe that you really won't find um, the big picture you know, until later on down in your life. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, you guys can chime in at any time. So, uh, but the big picture of the call of God in your life, it really doesn't come into focus until later on. I'm 44 years old, but what I've noticed is in the call of God in your life, it's really about being obedient to God in the season that you're in. Um, and the picture that I get is kind of like a puzzle. It's kind of like when you're in a season and you're being obedient to God and you walk through that season, it's like you get this puzzle piece and it's in your life, but you still can't see the big picture. But the more seasons that you walk through and the more puzzle pieces that you get through the years, you begin to start seeing a clearer picture of what you've been going through certain things and what has God really called you to do? What is the ultimate big picture call on your life. And so if you're out there tonight and you're wondering what is the call of God on my life, the key is really just to be obedient to God in the season that you are in. Be obedient to God in the moment. You may not know why he's asking you to do certain things in this moment, but you will maybe five years down the road and you may have a, the puzzle pieces may start coming together. And so, guys, I want to ask you guys some questions because um, it intrigues me when people give their life for the gospel, when they just uproot from our great country and, and just go out there to try to reach the lost in other countries. And so I'm going to um, ask you guys these questions, and then I'm going to move the microphone over to you, Jesse, and then y'all can just answer these uh, questions as you feel led. Um, but the main question that I have for y'all tonight is, um, how did you um, determine that this was the call that God put on your life, was to be a missionary, to to go overseas and to, to reach the lost. And um, like, what battles did you face in the fleshly battles in that? Um, and what sacrifices have you had to make um, in this moment of answering this call of God on your life? Let us know. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, I think that uh, I, I agree with you about being faithful in the season that you're in. I think I, I like to use the term, like rather than, let's say like a call of God in your whole life, I like to use the term of uh, assignment. Like what's what's the Lord's assignment for you right now? Because Good. right now, before like, you know, we're gearing up for a season of, of moving long-term yeah. into the Middle East, 
And, but right now I'm, I'm plumbing. I'm working as a plumber. Right. And so that, you know, if you were to, if you were to ask me 10 years ago, you know, for a vision of my life, it would not have included plumbing in Southern <laughs> Arkansas. Yeah. But here I am. And my wife and I, on a few occasions, we've been asking the Lord over the years, you know, like, Hey, what do you have for us? What do you have for us? And for two years, it was, it, he was speaking to us really clearly, but it wasn't about going overseas. It wasn't about doing what our heart's desire is. It was just about being faithful where we were. And so my assignment for two years was be faithful here. Mm. And I hope I hope I did that well. Yeah, come on. And um, but now our assignment is shifting, and we're excited. Couldn't be more excited about it. Yeah. And so, like you know, sometimes we'll, we'll mention the the kind of sacrifice that it is to do what we're doing. But at the moment, it, it feels more like uh, like I'm pinching myself. Like, wait, I get to be part of this. Wow. So like the cost is heavy. Mm. The cost is heavy, and we can get into all of that. But yeah. I just wanted to frame it with the assignment. Like, what's the assignment right now? Because you can be faithful to an assignment that the Lord has for you wherever you are, like you said before. Right. So. No, that's good. That's good. What about you, Jesse? Yeah, I think similarly, I think um, ultimately the, the biggest inspiration to answer the call of God in your life is, is a byproduct of the intimacy you've chosen to embrace with the Lord in terms of consistent gazing upon the beauty of and reading the word and staying connected to, you know, the vine, so to speak. And I think from there, the, if someone is doing that, if one is continually, and this is my challenge, like how my litmus test is how motivated am I to answer the call of the Lord is based off my tenderness towards the Lord. And if I wake up, I'm not compelled that day to, to live above myself and to be obedient to the Lord and to, you know, in those moments, that's hard. You know, that's, you know, it's this litmus test is something like you got to put that litmus test in every day into your spirit of like, is, am I motivated? Am I tender towards the Lord? And, and I think being faithful looks differently in, in seasons, as you're saying, like in terms, like I was looking up the high priestly prayer and Jesus made it clear Starting in verse 6, he says, I manifested your name to the people whom you gave me mm. out of the world. Yes, they yes they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have reached them, and have, they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I have come from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not, I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you gave you have given me for they are yours and i think each one of us we have a harvest field yeah that we're called to labor in and i think that's regard i think that's just a call of discipleship that the lord gives is that as soon as we claim the lordship of jesus you know so to speak we have this we have we all born with this hole in our hearts of the craving of the lord and the beauty of the lord and walking in the garden of eden with the lord and um each one of us that claim the Lordship of Jesus, we have this, and we're all called to bear witness to it in our harvest fields. And But those harvest fields shift. For us, it's it's an international yeah. harvest field. Sure. Um, you know, for people like Jonathan Irby, for you guys, it's local or it's me, it's digital, it's media. Yeah. Yeah. And it's for us, it's not just international. Sure. But for us to bear witness of faithful laborers, you know, people often think like, Oh, you know, I'll live it there. Like yeah. on outreach, I'll I'll live and I'll yeah. do and like I'll actually be faithful to the Lord on outreach. And that's not true. If you're not faithful in your day to day, it's not all of a sudden just going that habit's going to kick in that's just because you're on outreach or you go on a short term mission trip. Mm. Um, but I think it really is of in the season, Lord, 
just says, who are the ones you've given me? Who are the ones that you give me? My family, my coworkers, and be motivated by intimacy of the Lord to be praying for them, to um, bear witness of the, of the beauty of the Lord, how he's transformed your life. But I think that's, I think that's the starter. It's, that's so powerful. I mean, just starting, it's, it's like you start where you're at. You know, like, like you were just saying, like your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, and we all have neighbors around us, coworkers, yeah. family. And, you know, being intimate with Jesus, I think, is the most important key factor in it all. Because when you're intimate with Jesus, when you're spending time with the Lord, that's where I love the word you use, compelled. You begin to be compelled because of what... He did on the cross for us and that we want to go and tell everybody and we want to, you know, just answer the call that God has put on our lives, answer the assignment that he's asking us to do in this season. And your assignment can just literally be go across the street and share, you know, uh, with with your neighbor. You know what I'm saying? The other day that God just asked me to go cut my neighbor's grass. And man, it was like hot and sweaty. I ended up getting poison ivy, but you know, like, <laughs> like, yeah, but, but I did it, you know, it was an assignment, you know what I'm saying? And so I like how you built on that was if you're out there wondering how to discover the call of God on your life, it really starts first of all, with your intimacy with Jesus. If you do not have intimate times with the Lord, then you're not going to be able to hear his voice above all the other voices and distractions in the world. And then second of all, it's if you should be compelled to for those people that are right around you wherever you're at. And I think that's a, a beautiful answer to get things started. And and if you're out there looking for that, just take the opportunity. Like, man, God's not speaking to me. Yes, He is. He's literally, if there's somebody on your heart, that means God's speaking to you about them. And to be compelled to go reach them or to help them or to serve them. It's not necessarily sometimes sharing the gospel with somebody. It can just be serving them. I mean, Jesus said he came to be to not be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And you can do that in, in many different ways. So, um, but yeah, um, talk about maybe some of the uh, sacrifices, Jordan, that maybe you've made or you're making currently so my, uh, my wife and I have been in ministry full-time for a little bit over a decade, yeah. and we've taken an unplanned sabbatical. We had some family members okay. with some health issues, and so we've been in the States for a good few years now. Yeah. And um, so my kids are older, yeah. and uh, I've got four of them, and the oldest one's in second grade. And uh, so we were talking with them about you know our upcoming move, and uh, they're pretty excited for the most part, and they're like, whoa, those people don't know about Jesus? Oh, we're gonna tell them, you know, and they're getting yeah, excited, yeah. which made me excited. I was wow, like, oh, yeah. they're picking something up when we wrote a little child uh, children's <laughs> yeah, storybook Bible. Yeah. They're getting something. They're getting it. It's great. And um, but then the other day, my oldest goes, "Hey, Dad, do they speak English over there?" Mm. I said, "No." And she said, "How am I gonna make any friends?" Mm. I was like, "Wow, there's the cost." Wow. So wow. you know, up until that phrase, I mean, yeah. I can feel the weight of you know yeah. moving a family of sure. six to a, yeah. a foreign place. Right. It's, it's it's a cost, you know. But we're glad to pay it, you know, because you look at Jesus and he's like he looks at the the sheep that are helpless and harassed, like sheep without a shepherd, and he has compassion on them. And his response of compassion on these people mm. is sending people who know him to go tell them about him. Wow. You know, that's what he does. That's so and, good. And it's like oh, we're co-laborers in this thing. It's his harvest, and we're co-laborers. He wants us there. Yeah. And so all that's exciting. And then I hear my daughter say that, like, she's going to have to learn another language to make a friend. Wow. And that's heavy. That is heavy. You know, so there's there's a big cost. And, you know, we're, we're going to go without our, 
you know, family and, and yeah. close friends and yeah. the amenities that we're used to in sure. America. Um, and that, but that was like the heaviest one. It's like, wow. Ooh, you know, that is um, things you don't think about. Yeah. Man, that is, that, that's, that's powerful. That's a huge sacrifice to share the gospel with people that you don't even know. You don't even speak their language. And um, I just want to say, man, you guys are just heroes to the kingdom of God, man, just giving your lives up. And as y'all get ready and prepared, we just want this to be an encouragement to y'all that this is why we want to hear and help hold the rope, help, help you guys get to where you're going and to reach as many people as possible and encourage y'all along the way. Cause I know it's going to be sometimes where you're going to be up and down and, you know, emotionally and all the different stuff. And so, but yeah, I just wanted some of the people out there to hear some of the things that you're having to, to go through because it also inspires us as no matter where you, like you said a minute ago, your harvest field um, changes through the, through the times and like somebody's harvest field could be their neighbor. It could be their coworkers, could be people at the church, the neighborhood, you know, whatever it may be. The family is just, it could then just hearing somebody's giving up something like that it, it, is man. Well, well, if they're doing that, I can do this. You know, I can give my life to Jesus here in America and reach the people around me that I love. And so that's what I really Hope to, tonight as you're inspired, as you hear people are giving up things to, to go places and, and to take their family, be without their extended family uh, for a long period of time, that, you know what, I just feel like that the bride of Christ in America has fallen asleep. And it's time that, you know, conversations like these just help us wake up and remember that eternity is real and that we need to help reach the people around us because um, they're lost. And they're going to heaven, they're going to hell, they're going to be in a place, you know, without Jesus, no, without his presence. And, um, and so, uh, Jesse, man, maybe you could talk about some of the sacrifices, some of the flesh battles that you've had to go through. Maybe you can share some of those with us. Yeah, yeah it's definitely real. I will say, like, right off the bat, there's no cost too costly. Mm. Um, I think it was David Livingston that when he was approached with, sacrifice and the question of sacrifice that he was making as a missionary in Africa. Mm. He goes, sacrifice, speak not of sacrifice, that this is privilege. Mm. So good. And, um, and that's not to like, that's not to bounce the question back rather there's costs, yeah. but look at the cost in terms of, uh, like, let's, let's make it into a tangible earthly example of financial investment yeah. into something that is guaranteed mm. to be back a hundredfold. You know, versus, you know, you, you make a million dollars in debt versus you make a million dollars and you put in something that, you know, there's no there's no opportunity right. like that on earth yeah. that that's that realistic. Right. But in a sense, it's it's exchanging for something that's better. And at that point, if we start gaining that perspective, that's when you we start to understand. And we and, you know, Jor and I, we try to live this out every day with yeah. our kids and teach our kids this. It's good. That. One day we're going to come before the Lord, and we're not going to say that costed too much. But when Eden, my yeah. daughter, when my kids, so Hudson, when he comes before the wow. Lord, he's going to say this was worth every single bit. In fact, I could have given more. Wow, come on. And, That's good. Um, and so the, the, the costs are there, and um, especially in the regions of the place we choose to work. Um, it's a, but I think, like you said, that there, there is this call in the church to bear this kind of cost on the Lord, to bear their, to bear their crosses, um, because there's 
of people. There's people out there that have not heard. Yeah. And they don't know that there's something this that's worth that cost. And they go through life just stumbling, just stumbling around in their own filth, in their own wickedness, in their own depravity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, definitely for us, you know, the, you know, we have to fundraise, yeah. you know, we, we don't get to necessarily, um, provide, so to speak, in terms of, uh, material things, because most of the time we, um, are fundraising, we have to fundraise for moving and all the plane yeah. tickets and stuff like that. And which, um, is a privilege at the same time because it gets people involved, That's good. Yeah. you know, yeah. to hold the rope, like being able to beckon our brothers and sisters, our churches, mm-hmm. you know, our, our sending churches and say, guys, this is your opportunity to sow. You're not called to go, mm-hmm. but you're called to send. Yeah. And, and we, we, you know, we kind of have to flip that switch in our minds because I think it's so easy for, you know, gospel workers to have this, uh, poverty mindset when it comes to fundraising. Like, hey, yeah, look, yeah. I, this is uncomfortable conversation, but do you mind loaning us a <laughs> hundred bucks a month? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and I will send a terrible newsletter <laughs> <laughs> once a month, <laughs> but, uh, it, but you know, uh, learning to actually be like, guys, this is a privilege. Yeah, like for us, it's our families. For us, it's your, the financial <laughs> blessings that the Lord is putting on you. And, um, you know, other costs, you know, he nailed off his, but education for, for our kids. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we're, we're leaving great education, you know, yeah. and, um, the wives are having to come together and homeschool. We're having to form homeschooling strategies. Uh, I would say the biggest thing, um, I would say is fellowship. Yeah. Uh, in a one. sense that w- it's yeah, our, I gotta put it it's with our, Irby, but. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but in a sense, like it's our families, like, um, what happens if Jordan and I have conflict, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, and, and just, and here's the thing I would say it's cost, but it's actually kind of a beautiful thing because I think there's something beautiful of, we don't get to church hop. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, as yeah, soon yeah. as Jordan and I have conflict, you know, yeah, work it out. The, the, the two, the two lead pastors yeah. of our little house church, yeah. you know, we have conflict. We don't get the privilege of of uh church splitting you yeah, know and yeah. and it's like all right man you go that way you go that way you know pulling the whole was yeah. it paul and paul yeah. and mark yeah um but we gotta push past that and i do think you know i, I say it's a cost but on the flip side i actually see as actually stumbles upon something beautiful that maybe we don't get to see often of like hey look man we're all we all we have yeah. like your kids are my kids best friend you you have to be my best friend like or the accountability lifestyle we have, the true ironing sharpens iron, like we don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but we do miss out on the fellowship life that that is privileged here in the West of rock and worship leaders, you know, Jeremy Riddles, the Stephanie yeah. Gretzingers, right. you know, um, it'll be me and Lauren. Yeah. And if they pick up a guitar, learn, like he could, <laughs> he could harmonica rap, yeah, harmonica. But, well, I know he can yeah. rap, but get <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But he's gonna, yeah, acapella. Yeah, but man, yeah, that's so great. that's great, man. You know that really hit me in the heart to just know I've got so many great friends here in the states, and just the fellowship. You take that for granted. Like I just something that I didn't even think about that you guys are going to be going through. That the fellowship of the you know is with your families, with each other, with each other's families, and the, you know the few other pe- people that you'll be teaming up with. But uh, man, that that's something that is a sacrifice. It is a cost. But you know, like I said, there's no cost that's too high to reach the lost. I mean, we're talking about eternity here, people, and this is what I'm hoping that this. Yeah 
podcast, this episode will help us wake up to to see um, that the people that we love all around us. If you if you have just um, got to the place where you, you don't have the boldness or the courage, you got to understand, put eternity in your mindset and begin to think about eternity. These people are going to be separated from God for all of eternity. And God puts people in um people's lives to go and give them the gospel, to, to, to just share and to love on them. And so there's somebody in your life, it could be um, somebody at your work. You know, if somebody's, if they're on your heart, man, talk to them. Just open up the Bible, help them through life, do something. But this time for America to wake up and begin to share the gospel again. It's not going to get out unless we, the Bible says, you know, it's not going to be heard unless people are sent, unless people open their mouth and they preach. And so, um, this is what I'm uh, hoping that this um, podcast, this episode will help people is just to get bold, to get courage, to, to will, be willing to give up the, the sacrifices, to be a living sacrifice for God in this hour, in this moment, because I believe that Jesus is getting ready to come back. I believe we're in the final hours, and I believe that the bride of Christ is about to be awakened in this moment and it's going to take people like you guys that are just continually doing what God's called you to do. And um, that it's going to continue to help people wake up to what God's calling you to do. So I want to ask you tonight as you're out there, what has God called you to do in this moment? What is your assignment? Every one of us have an assignment in this moment. Ephesians 2.10 says that God has prepared for in advance works for us to do, but it never says that we will do them. It's up to you if you're going to go out there and if you're going to do what God has prepared in advance for you to do. So I'm calling to you today. I'm, I'm, I'm looking into the camera tonight saying, spend some time with the Lord. Be intimate with Him. One of the things I feel like we get distracted by in, 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 in Christianity is we, we, or we get confused is we think that um, daily moments and intimate moments are the same thing. Let me let me talk about that for a second. Me and my wife Haley, been married for twelve years, and in the normal daily life of me and Haley right now is just you know in the morning time we'll wake up, give each other a hug, a kiss, go eat some breakfast, sit and talk about all of Haley's crazy dreams she has every night. I mean, my wife has a crazy dream every night. You know what I'm saying? So every day at breakfast we're sitting there talking about it. Then I'll get ready for work. She'll get ready for work. We'll give each other a hug and a kiss. Go our separate ways for work during the day. You know what? She may she may see something uh, funny, you know, on TikTok or whatever, and she may send me a funny video. Or you know, I might see a verse and I may send it to her. And we're or you know, she'll call me at lunch, or you know, I'll call her when I get off of work. We think about each other through the day. Um, and when I get home, you know, we we uh, hug, we kiss, we tell each other how, you know, talk about our day. We decide if we want to eat here, you know, eat my tombstone pizza that I cook, <laughs> or uh, do we want to go out and eat? You know what I'm saying? And then when we get back, we'll sit home and we'll sit, sit on the couch and watch some TV. She makes me, she makes me watch the Atlanta Braves every night. You know, I can't believe this. <laughs> She's fighting me every night not to watch sports, you know, but... Um, but then, you know, at the end of the night, you know, we'll uh, get in the bed, kiss each other at night, and turn the light off on that day. Now, everything that I just said, those are daily moments. Those are daily moments. Those are not intimate moments. And for all of you that are married out there, you know, for a couple of times a month, you go behind closed doors and you have an intimate moment. No marriage can live off of just daily moments. Mm. And, but no marriage can live off of just 
intimate moments. But the cool thing is, is no marriage is intimate with each other every single day. But there is one key thing. Every healthy marriage does have moments during the month where they go behind closed doors and they're intimate with each other. Here's what I believe is going on in America right now, or in the world, the bride of Christ where we're asleep, is that the bride of Christ is living off of daily moments, and we're not going behind closed doors to have intimate moments with Jesus. It doesn't mean you got to be intimate with Jesus every single day and it becomes an obligation and you feel like you're way behind when you miss a day. No, when I miss, if Haley goes to spend the night with her parents, I don't feel like when she comes home that I missed a day. I'm just excited to see her. You're not behind. And so we've got to get to the place where we understand that these daily moments that we have with Jesus, like if it's just reading the verse of the day or worshiping God on the way to work or thinking about him at work or reading the Bible when you have a break at work, these are all good daily moments. But if you want to have a healthy marriage with Jesus, if you want to have a, a, a time where you begin to hear his voice and hear the, the call that he has on your life, what he's called you to do, you're going to have to have some intimate moments with Jesus. And that's just simply going behind closed doors, shutting the world out, putting all distractions out and saying, Jesus, I don't know what to do while I'm in here, but I'm just in here to be intimate with you. And you pick up your Bible, you begin to read, you begin to pray and you'll begin to hear the voice of God. And this is how you begin to develop a relationship with God and hear the voice of God. Because I believe that we're truly in a marriage with Jesus. That that is what people just forget, is that they forget that they've made it. When we, you know, when we get saved, we don't just say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. No, we enter into a marriage. We enter into a marriage. We make a vow to Jesus to be his bride. We're the bride of Christ. And when we remember that and we, and we work hard to, not hard, but we, 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 we spend time with God because we want to, because we're in a marriage with Him, and we begin to strengthen it. When Haley walked down the aisle to me to be married, she didn't just, she didn't just say a prayer. She made a vow. And I feel like when we walk down the aisle to Jesus or we've, we ask Jesus to come into our heart, out on the harvest field or whatever, it's not that you're just saying a prayer. You're making a vow to be the bride of Christ from this moment to leave all other distractions, all other lovers of the world aside and going after Jesus, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I feel like this is the moment where the bride has got to wake up and begin to be intimate with Jesus again. And Jesse, earlier... When we were talking, uh, we were talking about you were talking about how for a while one of your assignments uh, was to be on the home front for a while, and you felt that you were called to be a midwife for the for the church for the for the bride of Christ. Uh, can you explain that? Because what you were saying earlier was just so in line with what this podcast is all about. It's helping um, the bride get back to the feet of Jesus and helping God begin to um, helping people fall in love with Him and find their first love all over again. Talk to about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, started off with yes that word of of being a midwife to the church and in context, uh, my wife who's a nurse she at the time was studying you know to be a midwife and um, she was kind of you know she's also pregnant so I think she was pregnant with Hudson and so you know there's TMI you know <laughs> not really but where she's talking about 
you know, she's studying and she's very interested in this stuff, being a nurse. She was talking about birth pangs mm. and um, just, you know, going into labor and what, what, what's the scientific reason? Like, is it just that it's just a sucky part of pregnancy yeah. is the, is the pain and, and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, Matthew 24, mm. you know, Jesus is, you know, teaching on his coming as the disciples approach him with the questions and, yeah. and at the end of 23 and Matthew 24 is just his discourse of, of the signs of the times and his coming. And, uh, one of the main ones is that there'll be birth pangs mm. and leading up and they'll grow in frequency. They'll grow in intensity and they'll grow in duration, much like we see when a pregnant woman goes into active labor. That's their, that's their way of knowing that her time is upon her is, wow. you know, how close together these birth pangs are getting. And so Lauren was sharing this with me and she was talking about, well, natural childbirth, when you're able to feel these birth pangs, the birth pangs actually act as a way for the woman to respond in such a way where her body moves so that the baby can continue to pass through the birth canal. Wow. And so actually resisting the birth pains mm. makes, you know, labor much worse. In fact, can be fatal, wow. um, you know, with having a stillborn or because of, uh, you know, and even just it's scientific proven with epidurals and being stuck in a position, you're not able to feel it's harder for the woman to push because mm. they're, they're not able to respond to the pain. And, and so, you know, just correlating and connecting these two is um, that the Lord is so desirous to use um, his coming, but the, uh, the seasons prior to the coming of the Lord of intensity, but, you know, COVID-19, so much conversation is happening in the global church uh, regarding what the Lord is doing and, yeah. and the pressures and the new ways in which people start having to start thinking about church and who is the church, what is the church when they couldn't go a lot, many people couldn't go to a physical church, um, what's happening. Yeah. And people, as soon as, you know, people started saying, I can't wait for the things to go back to normal. Mm -hmm. They missed the point. Wow. We missed well, the point that as soon as we say, we want to go back to the way things were, can't wait to go back to the way things were. You're missing the point of birth pangs. Wow. Birth pangs were meant to completely change what was happening to realign you and reposition you so for a healthy birth. Woo! And this is all this is. The, and so, you know, <laughs> this led into the two half year season in which we've been directed to the home front because I, I believe that looks like something. Yeah. And I believe that being inspired, which is the whole context of the Great Commission. We were, ta we were talking about this. The whole context of the Great Commission and those being sent was out of your emotional response of the taking away of the Lord. And we read in uh, Matthew 9, John the, John the Baptist's disciples come up to Jesus and his disciples and say, you know, we fast, the Pharisees fast. Why do your disciples not fast? Mm. And Jesus' response is, is simple, but it's, there's a lot of depth to it, is why would they fast and the bridegroom is with them? But surely the bridegroom be taken away. And then that's when they'll fast. In other words, there, there's this desire that the bridegroom has that the bride who's betrothed, you know, and there's a little bit of difference between like what, how we in the West celebrate, mm. you know, weddings yeah. versus betrothal. Betrothal is kind of like it's the engagement, but it's kind of next level. It's, it's covenantal still. It's, yes. it's, it's commitment. It's, oh. it's legal. It's binding. Um, and it requires divorce. Mm. So, but it's not, it's not the wedding feast yet. Wow. And so it's kind of like the in-between version of 
you know, our engagement would take up a level in terms of commitment and seriousness. You know, you hear people breaking up engagements all the time. You couldn't do that. It was, it was wow. you could, but it was a legal divorce process. Wow. And so we're betrothed to the Lord. Come on. And the Lord, out of love sickness, being taken away. You know, when when we see when Jesus died, he resurrected, but he wasn't taken away. He resurrected. He he took forty days with disciples in his glorified body, and he chose to speak about one thing. Now, one thing was the kingdom of God. Come on. You know, it, it was growing this anticipation of what it would look like to be in a kingdom with the Lord in the flesh, the coming of the Lord, the coming of his kingdom. And after 40 days, he led him up to the mountain and he ascended. And they sat there thinking, one the world, the angel comes and said, guys, why are you guys standing there? I'm telling you, he'll come back the way he saw him go. But go to the ends of the earth. Come on. And in other words, there's this 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 com- compelling, this thing that thrusted them into sharing the gospel was motivated by one thing: love sickness. Mm-hmm. Saying that man that changed our lives, that flipped our world upside oh. down, we'll do anything to see him come back. Wow. To split that sky, to come. And this kingdom he's been talking about for 40 days, we're gonna see it. And if, if we have a choice, we're gonna see it in our lifetime. And that's what it looks like for a church to come into alignment is through the things like COVID mm-hmm. saying, Lord, you know, this earth is anathema. This, this, this earth is caving in Romans eight, mm-hmm. that, uh, this world has been submitted to a process of decay. Mm-hmm. And we, the first fruits of the spirit, as Paul says in Romans eight, groan mm-hmm. inwardly for the redemption mm-hmm. of the sons and daughters and the redemption of this world. And as soon as we come into alignment with these birth pangs, that are just big old shakings of, Oh yeah, this world's not our home. Yeah. Yeah. This world is wicked. My, you know, kids get cancer, kids mm-hmm. die. There's war, there's mm-hmm. radical Islamic terrorists, there's disease, you know, there's death, there's coughing up blood on airplanes, mm-hmm. you know, there's all these mm-hmm. things. And, it's meant to lead us to a place where we forfeit this life. And we say, you know, this kingdom that Jesus talked about for four days with those disciples, man, that's, that sounds great right now. Yeah. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Yeah, you know, I, I want, I want, I'm, you know, and Jordan writes an amazing book called a call to compel where, mm-hmm. you know, it's all coming after this wedding feast, like theme where now it puts into perspective, man, there's a wedding feast that's coming mm-hmm. and we're invited, but man, Let's go tell our neighbor that they're invited too. But you know what? They better put on the right garments. Wow. Come on. They better put on the right garments because this, this bridegroom, man, he, he's firing his eyes. He has a sword on his side. He's coming down a red horse or white yeah. horse, and he's going to declare war on the enemies of Israel. And it's a holy king, but he's loving and he's desirous. And so I think, I mean, there, there's a lot to that, yeah. and that's a fire hydrant, but this was my heart towards the church yeah. and me specifically being American, a the Western church of the lack of engagement with the Great Commission, I believe is a direct response and reflects the level of love sickness we have. And 51%, Barna did a survey in 2018, 51% of churchgoers in the West have never heard what the Great Commission was. Wow. And so um, the fact that there's a lack of response to the Great Commission and to and there's 
not even a understanding of what the Great Commission is. And it's grown worse. Like it's 51%, but majority of that 51% were the, um, was it the baby boomers? Like it, that was the majority, right? Like they broke into generations yeah. as, as millennials came about, as Gen Z's and so on and so forth. It has continued to go down in percentage of what actually is the Great Commission. Um, and so that's my hope. That's my prayer. Yeah. And, and is that the church is caught up in this love story of the Lord, is caught up in love mm. with the Lord to find him worthy and find his kingdom worth it to forfeit their life yeah. so as to bring about the next age, which is the blessed hope, as Paul lays out. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Wow. That is so, so powerful. I mean, I didn't know you had read a book about it, man. Is there anything you want to add to that little part before we close, man, about just the bride of Christ and the everything he was just talking about there? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, the Great Commission, Jesus says, you know, go into all nations and make disciples. Yeah. And he says this line, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And then elsewhere, Jesus had said, if you love me, you do what I command. Mm. And so it's about love. And I think like obe obeying Jesus in the Great Commission increases love. That's good. It's, uh, you know, like on a personal note, like when I, when I feel like a compulsion to share the gospel with somebody and I'm nervous yeah. and then I do it anyways, yeah. I feel so connected with the Lord, That's no matter good. how it goes. It That's can go good. poorly. Like yeah. it's going really bad once where a guy was like, what the heck are you doing? And yeah. I, I was like, I feel so good because I, I feel like I'm, I'm with the Lord. Like he yeah. asked me to do a thing and I did it. Yeah. You know, yes. and, and, and so there, there's good. a reason like he's saying like teach him to obey me because obeying Jesus is how you enjoy Jesus. Wow. That's so good. So he's like, hey, teach him to enjoy me. That's so good. And one of the things he, he wow. one of the things that we are to obey is the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's like this like cyclical thing. It's like uh, disciples make disciples. That's what that's what yeah. you do. Yeah. Uh, and when you make disciples, you teach them to obey Jesus, including the command to make disciples. That's good. So that it's multi generational. And you're what you're doing is saying like, hey, here's how you enjoy Jesus. Obey yeah. him, and specifically obey him when he tells you to make more disciples. And then boom, boom. So you have multiple generations of wow. people enjoying Jesus by doing what he says. That's so good. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's so good, man. That really. Enjoying it. We just got to get Irby over there to enjoy Jesus. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> we're going to maybe get him saved over there. So, um, but anyway, man, Jonathan Irby is in the house tonight in the studio with us, hanging out over there, playing Tomb Blast or something while we're talking about Jesus. <laughs> Flappy Bird. And, or uh, but uh, we'll try to get him on here one day, man, to talk about what God's doing in his life. Um, and uh, but thank you guys so much for joining us tonight on BGTV and so excited about uh, everything that God's doing in your lives. We're continuing to pray, help hold the rope in any way we can. We believe in you guys. And, um, you know, they are doing all they can for the kingdom of God because they love Jesus. They're enjoying him by being obedient. Are you enjoying Jesus by being obedient to what he's asked you to do? It simply could be go talk to your neighbor. Talk to a coworker. Talk to your family. Pray, whatever it may be. There's an assignment for you today or in this season right now, and it's up to us to spend some intimate time with Jesus and find out what he's asking each one of us to do so we can enjoy Jesus. What an awesome, awesome episode. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll be right back here next Sunday at 7 p.m. I hope you have a great week, and we'll see you here next week. Sunday night, 7 p.m. See you later.